to the Creative Process Podcast, a discussion with artists about what goes on behind the scenes when they're creating their work. I'm your host, Dave Hopper. On this episode, I speak with photographer Zora Murph, who combines his education in human services and art to focus on the experiences of youth in the juvenile justice system. His work has been exhibited nationally and internationally and featured online at the British Journal of Photography and Wired Magazine's Raw File. He's also been published in Vice Magazine, Good Magazine, and PDN's Emerging Photographer Magazine. He was recommended by our last guest, Krista Blackwood. Zora Murph, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. So you were recommended by our last guest, Krista Blackwood, who's also a photographer. Mm-hmm. And where did you meet Krista? She came to one of your shows? Yeah, I recently had a show at the Colorado Photographic Arts Center in uh, Denver, Colorado. And Krista came to the show. Uh, and so we were able to meet in person. I had seen her work before in, in uh, San Antonio uh, last December. Nice. Uh, and then uh, the uh, artist collective that I'm a part of, Strange Fire Collective, one of our members did a an interview with Krista. And uh, so, you know, I was kind of aware of who she was, so it was really great to, to meet her in person and, and get to talk with her about my work. And she actually bought one of the books she told me. Yeah, yeah, she bought, she bought a copy <laughs> of the book. <laughs> That's always nice when another artist ponies up a little bit there. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not like they have these vast reserves of cash sitting around. Right, yeah, no, it's something I can totally <laughs> understand, but uh, yeah, I, I appreciate the support. So I have to ask, uh, I love your first name. Actually, your whole name is great to say. Um, so I just have oh, to ask you. where your name came from. Uh, well, it is my... Um, paternal grandfather's name uh but it was his name was spelled with an o um and then there's like a a kind of a long (laughs) long story uh based upon you know the misspelling of my name uh you know uh comes from a hundred years of uh familial spite uh but i won't (laughs) i'll spare i'll spare the listeners that 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 story does your creative process come from a long straight no i'm just kidding (laughs) so where does uh Where does your creative process start? Well, um, I would say my creative process starts uh, by not knowing something, you know, kind of walking into this idea of uh, the unknown um, and just making in general until, or well, maybe making around um, the idea of a concept and then, you know, digging in as time as time goes on and I continue to make things. The unknown's always a strange place to go to. Yeah. <laughs> Is it hard to make yourself <laughs> go there? Uh yeah. Well yes and no. Um you know, it's it I think it's hard to be in the unknown, I would say. Um, you know, it it becomes frustrating sometimes. Um it can be uh you know, a pretty scary place to be in, you know, this idea of like not knowing what's going to come next. Um, but it's also liberating at the same time. You know, I think, uh, you know, as artists, we can, you know, maybe have, you know, this very concrete idea and maybe um, like silo ourselves into that, that soul idea. And then you end up stifling yourself. Yeah. There's a lot of self-doubt, I'm sure. As with everybody. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. How do you usually fight through that? Well, you know, I I, uh, just 
continue to make things um, no matter how dumb the idea might seem at the time. <laughs> you know, I think just get, <laughs> just getting it out and, and seeing it, you know, uh, come to fruition and then problem solving after that, you know, what's working, what's not working. And then how do you navigate around those issues? And just to see that you can create something still, even when your brain says you can't. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Because it has a habit of doing that, I'm sure. Right, right. Where do you get ideas for specific projects? Is there another type of art that you look to? Is it other photographers or just things you see out in the world? Um, I think it's uh, it's influenced by a lot of different things. Um, I do look at a lot of work. Um, I'm always interested in, in seeing um, you know, a lot of different types of photography um, and then other types of art, you know, be it painting or printmaking or, um, you know, like intermedia, any, anything and everything art, you know, I, I try to, I try to look at and, and digest. Um, but, you know, it could be, you know, something as simple as, um, you know, reading a book or listening to a song, um, you know, all of those things kind of come together and, and help generate, generate ideas. Do you ever have to step away from art for a little while and just not look at anything? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> uh, I, I think, um, you know, it, it, that's always a, a good a good part of the um, art-making exercise, right, is, yeah, uh, yeah maybe, maybe taking uh, a step away from it a little bit. And I busy myself with a lot of other additional tasks, and I'm a grad student as well, which comes with its own responsibilities. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, it, it becomes easy to, you know, step away from making. Um, but I guess, uh, you know, maybe not, you know, stepping away too much or, yeah. you know, like ignoring, ignoring it too much. So sometimes those day jobs or being a grad student can actually be beneficial at times. Mm, yeah, definitely. Do you ever find yourself comparing too much when you're looking at other people's work? Yes, all the time. <laughs> you know, you you see, like, you have an idea, you know, in the back of your brain, and it's this very small thing, and, you know, you, you think about it constantly, and then you're looking at work, and you see someone's already done it, and you're like, <laughs> yeah. well, crap. <laughs> you know? <laughs> what do I do now? But I think, like, that becomes kind of the nature of... Um, of art making and photography, you know, like we, as a society, take so many pictures and, you know, it's, it's hard not to feel like everything's already been done, but if you, you get stuck in that line of thinking, then you're, you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna make it as an artist. Yeah. And I think there's ways to put your own spin on something, even if it's been done before. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it, that's the tough part, right? It's finding that personal spin to make it unique, to make it your own, to make it novel. Yeah. Where if you show it to someone, they're not going to say, <laughs> I've already seen this before. <laughs> right. Don't you have any ideas of your own? <laughs> so I wanted to talk about your project corrections. Can you give us an intro to that and tell us how that started? Uh, sure. So, um, you know, it started in a lot of different ways. Um, my older brother was put on probation uh, when he was 14 and he had um, like from the time he was 14 to 31, he was in and out of the criminal justice system. Uh, and so I think, you know, that itself was kind of the starting point for me um, having, you know, an intimate relationship with someone who experienced the criminal justice system. 
And uh, so I you know, went to college after high school, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, uh, settled on psychology. And so I did um, uh, four years at um, Iowa State University, got my degree, and then just realized that, you know, with that bachelor's degree, there's not much you can do outside of like human services jobs. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, I got to like the statistics and research methods portion uh, of you know, that degree track and realized how much I hated that part of it. And right. so I, you know, knew I didn't want to continue study in psychology uh, to like get like a, a MSW or a PhD. Um, and so, you know, I was working jobs, you know, in the field, you know, doing service work, uh, worked with people with disabilities, uh, people with mental illness. Um, and then I moved to Iowa City and, you know, found this job at the Lynn County Juvenile Detention Center uh, working as a tracker. And so tracking is uh, what's called a diversion program. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's working, it's, its function is to like divert kids from incarceration. And mm -hmm. so they, um, you know, get assigned a probation officer and then uh, the probation officer might contract diversion services uh, like tracking. And as a tracker, I just worked uh, with the kids like while they were in the community, making sure that they were following all of the expectations uh, of probation. And so, you know, at the same time I was working there, I began uh, studying photography at the University of Iowa. And, um, you know, it, then that door kind of opened for this, you know, this project um, focusing on the kids and their experiences of the system. So you might not have gone into psychology, but it definitely has influenced your photography and your projects that you oh, choose. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course. So when paying the student loans, you can always think of that. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I'll be thinking about that for the rest of my life. If yeah. We're, if we're talking those terms. <laughs> it is interesting, though, how paths that don't lead anywhere can influence where you mm -hmm. actually end up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's always been um, interesting to look back and and really consider, you know, like, from, you know, getting from point A to point B, you know, graduated from high school and starting at a community college. And then now, you know, I'm in graduate school uh, right. studying photography and then, you know, doing things like talking with you on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, such a highlight. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so. I want to know how you got the access to the kids. I guess you sort of explained it, but if you can explain a little more about how right. you got the access. Actually, right, yeah. it's one thing to have access, another thing to start photographing. Right, exactly. Yeah, and so, you know, I, I had access because I was employed there. Um, and so all of that was, you know, kind of in place for me. And then I um, worked up the courage to ask my supervisor <laughs> if it would be okay if I started this project. And, you know, she was like completely open to it. You know, she was, um, mostly concerned with making sure I kept, you know, kids identities anonymous. Right. Um, yeah. And then, you know, like it wasn't, or making sure like I wasn't doing, you know, like some scathing indictment of juvenile <laughs> corrections practices in Eastern Iowa. Uh, but <laughs> they really didn't have like any kind of hand, uh, you know, in creating, um, other than just making sure that the kids identities were, anonymous and how long did you think about this before you worked up the courage to ask uh well i i thought about it um in my first darkroom class 
that was like the first photo class that I took at the University mm-hmm. of Iowa. And, you know, a lot, that class was a lot of like assignment based work. And so you got an assignment and you made, you know, 10, 12 images for mm-hmm. that assignment. And so, you know, I, I thought about it then, but it was, you know, I was, you know, new to this job and, you know, kind of scared and didn't want to ask. And, you know, um, and then I got to, uh, the advanced photography course and my professor uh, Jeff Rich um, was uh, teaching that class and he had all the students pick a topic and then try to make a cohesive body of work over the course of a semester and so I was like well I didn't know what I wanted to do and it seemed like the right opportunity to take uh, to start diving into making corrections. And you had the backing of the class, too, to ha- kind of help you along. Like, I'm doing this for this instead of just saying, I'm just going to take some pictures. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, there was, yeah, like you had to, um, you know, you were making, but then you were also receiving uh, critiques from peers and um, on, you know, your concept and really um, taking the time to nurture and, and develop the idea. Is this a full body of work completed or is it still ongoing? Uh, no, it's it's completed. It, um, I applied to to come to grad school last year, and you know, so I had to quit my job and move, and gotcha. so that was the point where I lost my access, and so right. you know, the point where I had to wrap everything up. Do you feel it's finished, or is it just had to be cut off? Uh, I think it's it's finished in the sense that it had to be cut off. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I yeah I, I I always have a hard time with thinking, you know, something is finished. Right. Um, you know, I, if I still had access, you know, I might still be making work for it, um, in one way or another. Um, and, you know, maybe in the future there could be like a, a, a subsequent chapter to that mm. work. Um, so, you know, I think maybe that, that piece of it, you know, my time as a tracker in you know, 2012 to, to 2015, you know, that, that part of it is finished. Um, and you know, maybe, yeah, maybe I'll go on to make more work, um, along those lines or, or maybe I'll just let it sit as it is, but I don't know if it's finished. (laughs) Nothing's ever finished. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Since you don't show kids faces, was that a decision to keep their identities secret? Yeah, that was, um, and that was a tough, a tough, thing to figure out when I first began the project uh, was because I was, you know, when I would go meet with them, I would uh, take like a, a full portrait. And so you would be, I would be able to see their face, mm-hmm. um, but you know, I couldn't share it. Right. And, um, and then I started doing things like, you know, having them use their bodies or, you know, a, a gesture, or, gesture or pose or an object in their environment to obscure their face. But yeah, that was all all done to, to keep their, their identities anonymous. Gotcha. I was wondering why. I didn't know if mm-hmm. that was a choice that you made when you were doing it or if there was another reason. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, that was like, you know, the, um, I suppose, the conceptual underpinning of it. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I knew that I could have done things like maybe blurred out their faces or, you know, used um, yeah. like bars or, you know, something like yeah. that. But I, I didn't want to do that. It almost adds another element to it, as in that they're not, I don't want to say a person when they're in there, but they're not in almost as much of an individual as they were beforehand. Right, yeah. So sometimes those hard things actually end up working on a different level sometimes. 
Oh, definitely, definitely. Well, and then it brought, you know, just kind of like this unique um, perspective on it, I suppose. Did you have to gain trust of all the kids, or were they open to it at the beginning? Um, I think that trust is definitely something that was inherent to the project, but a lot of that trust was built uh, through my working with them. Um, You know, being a tracker, you know, being this uh, physical manifestation of a consequence. Um, I had to build trust. You know, I was going into situations where, you know, kids were upset. Um, and if they didn't trust me, you know, they weren't going to give me the time of day to, mm-hmm. to listen to me and, and to allow me to try to, to help them through, you know, whatever it was that they were going through right. uh, to make sure that they got through uh, probation successfully. Um, and so that just, that trust in those, you know, the relationships that we had already built, um, you know, as, as me being a tracker, uh, and then being the person I was providing services to, um, just bled over into making the work uh, with them. Yeah, it's hard to come into something like that from the outside and just say, I'm going to take yeah. pictures of you. <laughs> <laughs> right. It'd be a little more easier if you already have that trust. Right, yeah. So they were accepting to that relationship change to person that's with me to person that's photographing me as well. Yeah, and I think that came from me opening up, you know, a piece of my personal life. Right. Um, you know, service, you know, as a service provider, we're not encouraged to, uh, you know, talk about our personal lives. We're mm-hmm. supposed to kind of remain in this, like, um, you know, this professional mindset where, you know, I'm, I'm only a tracker. Like, my life outside of that to you doesn't exist. Right. Um, and so I think opening up about, like, what I was passionate about really helped them, you know, maybe understand me a little bit more um, and, you know, maybe, you know, humanized me to them in a way. Right. Um, yeah. Was there still, when you first started taking pictures of them, was it tough the first couple times? Yeah, it was really, really, really hard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, going in and like, you know, trying to figure out like, you know, how the heck am I going to do this? <laughs> uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. And so it was um, really just, you know, happened by accident. There's a, a photograph of a young man uh, who's standing in front of a building and he's um, got his arm reaching up over his back. Like he's, you know, like scratching the back of mm-hmm. his neck or something. And, um, you know, I, I remember, you know, standing there on the side of that building with him and just like, you know, but we were there because the lighting, the light was really nice. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm just like in my head, I'm like freaking out. Like, I don't know how to take this <laughs> photograph. And I, you know, I don't want to eat up like a lot of his time, right? Uh, you know, like, you know, trying to figure this out. And he had just reached up to scratch his back and he covered his face and it was just beautiful in that moment. And I was like, whoa, hold that. Like, that's, <laughs> that's it. And uh, so that became the kind of gold standard for me, you know, that, that moment that I wanted to try to reach in all of the photographs uh, that I made. Sometimes it's the natural movements that whoever you're Mm -hmm. taking pictures of make instead of posing. Everyone loves to talk about posing, but sometimes just capturing almost like a candid is much more beneficial. Yeah. What was your biggest challenge with this whole project? Um, my biggest challenge um, outside of, you know, like the whole obscuring faces, I think it was trying to bring everything together. I seem to make the series, um, I, I, 
suppose like in a sequential way, you know, I focused on the portraits a lot up front mm-hmm. and then, uh, then started taking, uh, like the landscape shots of the crime scenes. Um, and then, you know, then I moved into scanning, uh, documents, uh, that the kids, um, had created, uh, while they were in the detention facility, uh, then the blurred mug shots came. Then the kind of the antithesis to the blurred mug shots of the the portraits of the kid just um, facing away from the cameras, like uh, taking the portrait of the kid from behind. Um, and then the the studio shots on white. You know, those were all just kind of pieces that you know I, I worked on um, like in a very sequential way. And then it was a matter of looking at you know everything I had created. And how do you start to to piece those things together so they make they make sense in a cohesive way? That is always the toughest part: is sitting there with mm-hmm. a whole body of work and trying to make it work. <laughs> so an outsider who doesn't didn't right. go through the whole thing will understand from yeah. beginning to end. Right. How long did that take you? Uh, so that was um, like from beginning to end. It was a three-year process. And, um, and then, you know, like starting to piece things together, um, really happened in my last year of school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, it was, you know, kind of this, you know, this idea of this door closing and needing to really like try to figure things out, um, and then, you know, the work is starting to be published and things. And so, yeah, yeah, of course, I need to be knowledgeable and know, you know, exactly what it is <laughs> that I'm doing if I'm, if I'm presenting it to my audience. Right. Uh, so, yeah, it was yeah, a lot of, uh, you know, like just sitting down and, and getting that done. But that a lot of it came together in the last year. And then um, being approached by the publisher again was, you know, this, this idea of a deadline that I had to kind of wrap things up and, and get everything kind of polished. Did you like having that deadline or was it tough? Um, it was a love hate relationship, I think, (laughs) uh, you know, you know, working on something for so long and you're just, you know, thinking in your head, like I can just keep doing this forever. I can keep making the same thing over and over and over and over again. And, you know, like, where does it end? Um, and so, you know, I love the deadline in that way. Um, but then, you know, of course the, just the pressure of like, having to have something done, you know, I don't, I don't like deadlines <laughs> in, in any, in any realm, you know, creative yeah. or, or otherwise, I just I hate deadlines. <laughs> I'm not done yet. <laughs> right. Did you show, like when you got a, I guess one sequential order together, did you show other people or did you just do this yourself? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I showed, um, you know, my classmates, of course. Um, and then I, uh, you know, I, I attended um, the Society for Photographic Education. Uh, I, I attend their conferences, uh, both regionally and then the national ones. Um, and so, you know, I was always taking, you know, work from corrections with me and receiving mm-hmm. feedback, you know, like during portfolio reviews and then, you know, just meeting with other photographers uh, generally. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it was, you know, I was always seeking some sort of uh, feedback. How are you with portfolio reviews? Are you a fan of them? Uh, again, a love-hate relationship. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think they can be great if you do your research and you're, you know, you choose the right person to meet right. with. Um, but 
mean, it can also be like kind of anxiety inducing and, um, and so, you know, like, you know, just presenting on things, like I've always had trouble, um, I guess getting my ideas out. Um, and then, you know, I don't know. Cause if you go into it with like too rigid of a plan, uh, yeah. and then, you know, it goes off the, it goes off the rails and then you just like freak out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, and then I also have this issue with like kind of rambling, uh, which I think I get from my grandpa. Uh, Cause he would always kind of ramble at me growing up and you just could never get a word in edgewise. And so I think I, I still, uh, suffer from that a little bit. So you have to sort of have a plan, but you also have to know when to go off script a little bit. Right. Exactly. So. And you only have so much time to talk to these people, so. Right, exactly. Yeah, I think, yeah, they, they're usually like 20 minutes, um, and it seems just to, like, fly by. You know, the first couple of minutes, it, the, the first couple of minutes drag, and then the next thing you know, it's like, okay, any any questions for me? Here's my business card, you know. Yeah. I still have so many questions for you. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Putting the book together must have been, we talked a little bit about it, but actually seeing mm -hmm. the book in print, how was that? Um, it was just uh, like kind of jaw dropping moment, you know, it was, uh, uh, you know, this idea of, um, I, well, I, you know, I suppose I had an idea of what the final product would look like mm -hmm. in my head. Um, but then receiving the actual, you know, like the proof copy in the mail and I was just like, wow, like. Did it I actually feel that, over you know? at that point? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it, it did, you know, it was just like, you know, this is it, this is like the final edit of images, you know, this, yeah, you know, it's like, and then, it, you know, becomes like this, this tangible thing, yeah. um, you know, to, you know, from this thing that existed, you know, exists digitally, um, or maybe, you know, in a collection of prints that you have made, mm -hmm. um, but then to, to have it, you know, bound together, um, in this order and you know it tells the story and yeah you can you know start in the middle um or start from the end and work your way back like it's just yeah it was it was a really really cool moment do you make a lot of prints or is it just a couple here or there uh no i make a lot of prints i have an addiction to making prints <laughs> <laughs> which is a very expensive addiction but i yeah i, I for me, you know, just that translation of, you know, digital information into like a physical, a physical object, um, has been, you know, something that I've really enjoyed about photography. Um, and then, you know, just the process of printing itself, you know, this idea of problem solving, um, you know, getting, getting what's on the screen to match, right. you know, what exists in the physical space. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't understand, um, because they just print their photos out of Walmart or whatever, and that's fine for them because they're not right. trying to make like a body of work for photography. But right. when you're actually yeah. doing real prints, it takes quite a bit to get the colors to match, <laughs> cropping. Oh yeah. god. Oh yeah, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so you shoot digitally, right? You don't shoot film. I know you talked about doing a darkroom class earlier, but did you go to digital? Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, you know, just the track at Iowa, you, um, well, actually, no, they start, they start digital. And then like when you get to the intermediate class, uh, you have the choice to do film or digital. And so I, um, came, like I took some, a couple of like entry level courses at, um, 
a community college in Des Moines. And uh, so I had that, you know, that, you know, basic understanding of digital photography. So I was able to skip the intro courses and I, you know, started in, in uh, black and white film uh, at the University of Iowa. Um, but yeah, I, I shoot most of, uh, well, most, yeah, I shoot everything digitally nowadays, but uh, I had the opportunity to take a large format film class. And mm-hmm. so there are actually, a, well, maybe just one image, one image in the book that is um, a large format film photograph. You know, the large format class was was really wonderful, and I do I really like shooting large format. It's just such an expensive um, expensive process, I mean, especially if you're shooting color. And then, you know, of course, um, trying to take a portrait of someone with a large format camera <laughs> is a very tedious and time consuming process. Yeah. Yeah. So, what is next for you? What are you working on now? Um, right now, I am trying. Um, pretty much anything at this point, <laughs> you know, while, I, while I'm in this, you know, this, this sacred place that is grad school, you know, where you have resources and support, uh, to, to just be a maker, you know, right. for a few years. Um, but my work right now is focusing on, um, like image and stereotype, uh, and, um, police violence, um, towards African-Americans. And so I, I'm working with um, with digital photography still. Uh, I'm I've been trying some installation pieces, which has been proving difficult. <laughs> and uh, uh, then also doing things like uh, physically manipulating the surfaces of of prints. Um, and so trying to find different materials, um, all you know, to build um, this sort of uh, I guess the best way that I can explain it right now is, is, you know, like this code or language within, within the, you know, the sequence of images and objects. Interesting. Well, I'll keep an eye out for it. So thank you. Oh, I have one question and uh, that's who, oh, sure. who yeah. I should talk to next. I almost forgot. <laughs> uh, next, <laughs> uh, next, I think you should talk to um, uh, printmaker Brianne Trammell. Uh, she is currently uh, teaching at uh, Kent State in Ohio, but she was um, a visiting artist uh, for a year while I studied at the University of Iowa. And uh, her work is, is really very interesting and uh, engaging. Um, but she, uh, one series she worked on um, while at the University of Iowa uh, is titled Bad As I Want to Be. And it's all about Dennis Rodman. And so it's like a series of, of prints. Um, and she, I believe they were hot foil stamps. Um, and there might have been an, a, a couple of other processes mixed in with it. But uh, that work um, just kind of blew my mind. You know, it, yeah. uh, it kind of, uh, you know, this, um, again, like taking this, just like, you know, this idea or, um, you know, something that exists, you know, kind of in, in a very small place in your head mm-hmm. and then making something that is, you know, visually engaging. Nice. I remember reading Dennis Rodman's book a while back. It's he's always entertaining. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. An interesting dude. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. That was photographer Zora Murph. Find his work at his website, Zora-Murph.com. That's Z-O-R-A-M-U-R-F-F.com. Thank you for listening to the Creative Process Podcast. I'm Dave Hopper. 
This has been a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. Theme music is Big Screen by Silent Partner. Thank you.